0: Amen. We well, you may be seated this morning. And as you're taking your seat, let me just say Merry Christmas to you. I can't tell you how glad it makes my heart for us to be able to gather together on this Christmas morning uh, to spend some time in worship, to spend some time just celebrating what Christmas is all about. The fact that our Savior has indeed come into the world to bring about forgiveness of sin. And the reason that you and I are here today is solely based on that fact, right? That Jesus has come, salvation is available, and our lives have been made new. Well, I can't tell you how many times over the last couple weeks I've had people ask me, so what are we going to do on Christmas morning? And I think their concern was, especially in my household, how long are we going to be there, right? And, and so I've had this question asked a whole lot, are you going to preach? And, and I don't think it's because they're wanting to like find out what are you going to preach about. It's almost like I just need to prepare myself for what's going going to happen and how long I'm going to be there. And so let me just say in the spirit of gift giving, I'm going to preach, but it's going to be about this long, all right? And so you can determine what that is, but, but that's my gift to you this morning. We are going to look into God's word. Uh, we are going to make sure that we understand what today is all about and why it's so special. Uh, but I do understand that some of you need to get on the road here in just a little bit. But in my heart, I do believe one of the best places that you and I can be on a Christmas morning like today is to be gathered here as the Bible body of Christ, reminding ourselves about why today is so special. And you know, and there's a lot of great traditions that are part of Christmas, and I hope that over the last few days, and maybe today, you're going to experience some of those together, uh, the things that you do to make memories, and that hopefully last a lifetime. Uh, But what makes Christmas so special is indeed the fact of what we've sung about this morning, that Christ has come. That promised Savior, that Messiah that God was going to send to right all the wrongs of sin indeed showed up. And I want to just retrace in Luke chapter 2 what we've been talking about over the last several weeks together and hopefully we're going to string it all together this morning and then it's going to make sense for us as we step into the Lord's table and share in the Lord's Supper reminding us of what Sunday and, and what gathering as the body of Christ really is all about. We took a look at how God was ordaining the very every moment in history to bring about the birth of a Messiah at an exact location in time. We talk about the fact that some thousand of years beforehand that God had promised and prophesied that there would be one who was going to come and he was going to be born in this little town of Bethlehem and how God was doing everything necessary all throughout history to bring Mary and Joseph at that exact right moment and that exact right place in history for the declaration of the Messiah to come. And I tell you what, that gives me great hope in my life today to know that my life is not just a sequence of random events that are happening on just some galaxy out somewhere in the middle of the universe, but there is a sovereign God over all creation who is so involved in the details of every life that he is bringing about his perfect will at the exact right moment. I don't know if there's a better passage in scripture to sum up what today is all about than Galatians chapter four, when the apostle Paul says this, when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman born under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive adoption as sons and daughters. And you think about that moment as Paul looked back and as a man who was very well versed in all of the prophecies and teachings of the Old Testament, he came to this conclusion at the exact right moment in human history when the fullness of time had come for God's perfect plan to ransom and redeem and save sinful mankind. He sent Jesus who came born of a woman, born in human form to save, to redeem, to rescue those of us who are trapped under the law and the effects of sin that you, you and I might receive adoption as sons and daughters." Well, I want to turn your attention back to Luke chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 8, and we're going to look at this angelic declaration once again that we've been talking about for the last several weeks, and hopefully going to make sense about why today is so important. It says this in verse 8, In the same regions, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to people who he favors." And so as we see that night as the Savior of the world was born, these angels show up to declare this message to a group of shepherds out on a hilltop, and the presence of God was manifest inside of them. And as we said before, the reason they were terrified is because the presence of a righteous, powerful, holy God was there right in front of them confronting sinners. And the natural response for us when we see the holiness of God is to be terrified, to be ruined. But the angels begin with this message Don't be afraid. And as we look back on what we said, we said one of the great blessings that come from this hope of Jesus is the reality that we are now welcomed in the presence of God because of what Jesus is going to accomplish. And we no longer have to be afraid of God anymore. We no longer have to fear His judgment or wrath against our sin because God is restoring us unto Himself. And just like Adam and Eve enjoyed the presence of God in the Garden of Eden, we too now are welcomed back into the presence of God. And I tell you for us today who are trapped in sin and those of us today who really, if we think about our lives, don't know anything other than the effect, the burden, the, the, the pain that sin has caused, for a God in heaven who is holy and righteous to look at us and say, you're welcome in my presence again. Oh, what good news that is for us to hold on to today. And so we talked about the fact that these angels said it's a good news of great joy. And so we asked ourselves, all right, what is it that makes the gospel such good news? Why does it bring great joy into our heart and life? And we said there's several things that we can see very clearly. The first one is this. It tells us that God is faithful. And that you and I can have joy in our life in the midst of any and all circumstances. Why? Because God is always going to do exactly what He says He's going to do. And so the Scriptures are filled with these great and precious promises that as Paul later said to the church in Corinth, they find their yes in Jesus Christ. So Jesus is the evidence and the proof that every one of God's promises toward us, which are promises of love and grace and compassion and mercy, they find their yes, they're going to come to fulfillment in Jesus. And so here's the good news, right? Just as God was faithful to bring about the Messiah the first time, to bring about salvation for for Israel and for all those who believe, We long for the day that Jesus is going to come back, reconcile all of us back to himself, restore all that sin has caused. And we might say to ourselves, how do we know that that's going to happen? Because God is faithful and he always does what he says he's going to do. Good news of great joy. Great joy, why? Because our sin is atoned for. The penalty of our sin has been paid. The power of sin has been broken. Sin no longer has dominion over us. We no longer have to be bound and enslaved to it. Forgiveness is available. And we looked at all that Jesus had to do in Romans chapter 3, where it says that He justified us according to His grace. He redeemed us through His blood that was shed. He was the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice by which the, the condemnation and wrath of God was appeased and expelled And then we looked and saw in Romans chapter 5 where it says that we now too have experienced a reconciliation, that we've been adopted as sons and daughters into the family of God. Good news of great joy. But interesting thing that he says in that passage is for all people. And we talked about the fact that these shepherds were these outcasts that were sitting there on a hillside that really weren't welcome into common everyday society. The majority of people looked down upon them as untrustworthy and low on the social ladder, and the fact that God would send messengers to them first was gonna tell us something very much about the gospel. And the gospel isn't just for these elite, just for the religious, just for those who seem like they have their life all together in order. The gospel is for those of us who are broken and poor and hurting and destitute. Those are the people that God delights in calling and saving and drawing unto himself. And so here's what we look and see, that they're, they're, they're told this great message and there's a response of faith on behalf of the shepherd. So look at what it says in verse 15, when the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known unto us. This is the response of faith, is it not? that the, the gospel's been presented, the good news has been made known, hearts are receptive, and they said, what are we gonna do about this? We're not content just to sit there we're not content just to hear the good news and say, isn't that great? Which if we look throughout the, the discourse of the scriptures, we see that there were religious leaders in Jerusalem at the time who were later gonna be told by the magi that the king has come. And we don't see one instance where any of them felt need nor compulsion to go check it out. But this group of guys said, hey, we've gotta go see. We've gotta go lay our eyes. This is our response of faith to what the Lord has made known to us. And it says this in verse 16, they hurried off And found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying there. And after seeing them, they reported the message that they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. What were people amazed about? Not angels. They were amazed about the message. Look at what's said here, right? I mean, these guys have a story to tell, do they not? We're sitting on the hillside, angels showed up, and these angels delivered to us a message that Christ is born, the Messiah is here. We've went, we've seen it with our own eyes, and everyone who heard it, this is a worship word right here, by the way, were amazed. They were in awe of what God had done. Now, can I tell you the danger for us in this room today? The danger is that you and I gather together, we sing some songs, we hear some scripture, we take the Lord's Supper, and we quickly go home and get about business of all the rest of the things that we like to do on Christmas Day, and we miss it. Because if we're not too careful, we get so wrapped up in the normalcy of what this is all about that it loses its amazement, its awe, in the fact of what the message is for us today that Christ has come into the world to save sinners of whom you and I are chief. It's an amazing thing, is it not? That God in heaven would step into our world of brokenness and pain and all of the things that we've wrought and rescue us and save us. And if we're not careful, we can hear this message today and not be amazed one bit. Isn't that the chronic danger in our spiritual lives that we become so familiar with all that the Bible is telling us that we're like, oh yeah, I know that story. Oh yeah, well, well, this is what happened on that day. But, But in our telling of it, in our reciting of it, it really loses its awe. And the people who heard this good news, they were amazed at what God had done. Verse 19, but Mary was treasuring up all of these things in her heart and meditating on them the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had done or excuse me seen and heard which were just as they had been told that word glorify there's the word we get the word doxology from think about doxology right praise God from whom all blessings flow praise him all creatures here below we think about that song, that, that, that thing that we recite that's just reminding us to praise God for what He's done and who He is, and that's exactly what was happening in the life of the shepherds as they returned back. They had heard a message that was so unbelievable, their lives would never be the same, and their response was to leave praising and glorifying God. So here's my heart for us this morning, that as we share here in just a few moments of the Lord's Supper, and we do something that's traditional, right? Right? The Lord's Supper is a tradition. It's an ordinance that God has given us that we don't allow it to be so familiar that when we leave, our minds are somewhere else rather than thinking on, look at what God has done. Look at how he has saved us. And can I tell you the posture that I think we're supposed to come with this morning? There's a reason why God revealed himself to lowly shepherds. Why? Because that's the lowly response he wants from us you want to know something? The shepherds had absolutely nothing to offer anyone, specifically Jesus. Their response was, come see. That's all they were asked to do. Come see, come believe, come look at what God has done. They didn't have to bring anything. They didn't have to do anything. There was no purification ritual that they needed to be able to go see the Christ. They just hurried, smelly, Dirty off that mountain in the state that they were in and they came and they worshiped. Now, now here's the danger I think that we sometimes get in and not that I think it's completely wrong, but sometimes we wanna take a wise man posture. What's a wise man posture? The wise men showed up bearing gifts. And not that it was wrong because they wanted to acknowledge the fact that there was a king, but sometimes I think we come to Christ thinking we gotta be like the wise men. Well, well here's what I'm gonna bring you. Here's what I'm gonna offer you. Here's what I'm gonna give you. And God says, I didn't ask you to come that way. I asked you to come broken and needy and hurting and dirty and smelly with the mess of your life. Why? Because there's nothing that you can do to fix it anyway. And I came not so you could bring yourself cleaned up and nice to me. I came to clean you up. I came to restore you. And sometimes it doesn't hurt us one bit to come a little bit wounded and limping and needy before the throne of grace. Why? That we might find help in time of need. And the reason that we share in the Lord's Supper today is to remind ourselves Christmas isn't about what we can give the Lord. It's about what he's given us. It's not about what we deserved. It's about what he did even when we didn't deserve it. You know, so it's easy for some of us to be all celebratory at Christmas and man, life is good and fun and if that's where you're at right now, praise God for that. There's nothing, nothing wrong with that. But some of us walk in here today a little unhappy. Life's been heavy, hard. Maybe Christmas brings more of a reminder about what you don't have than what you do have. And you know what? That's okay too because Christ is the gift for you just as well. There's good news of great joy right here. So what are we gonna do? Well, we're gonna take a small piece of bread and a cup of juice, and it's gonna symbolize something very significant. It's gonna symbolize the fact that that baby was born with the sole purpose of giving his life as the ransom for many. He was gonna be wounded for our transgressions. He was gonna be crushed for our iniquities, The chastisement that's gonna bring us the peace that the Bible talks about is gonna be upon him and by his stripes, we're gonna be healed. And even though we all like sheep have gone astray, the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And this symbolic picture is just a simple reminder of what Christ was gonna do. This is how he was going to save. By identifying himself perfectly with us by living sinlessly on our behalf to fulfill the law that we could never fulfill, taking our sin and shame upon himself, that by faith in him and him alone, we might be saved. And he's gonna conquer sin and death by coming back to life through the resurrection. And I can't wait wait till a few months from now when we get to celebrate that together, right? As we gather in here on a Sunday and celebrate, actually we'll be in there, but we celebrate in in this facility Easter together. And we say, listen, this is the proof that everything he did from his birth to his death and his resurrection was enough. That way we might be saved. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. Our deacons are going to get in position to be able to help us share the Lord's Supper this morning. And before we just pass it out and take it, I want to just give us a moment to reflect. Some of us are here because we're excited to come and worship. Some of us were here because mom and dad drug us in. Some of us were here because that's what good church people do. I mean, there's a lot of reasons that we're here. But my hope is that by the time we share in the Lord's Supper together, Our reason is just going to be this. Praise God, we have a great Savior. Because if that baby wouldn't have been born, there would be no hope. But because he was, there's the hope of life everlasting. So I'm just going to give you a moment just to pray, to ready your heart. Then I'm going to pray over us. We're going to distribute this. We're going to share it. Then we're going to sing our way out of here together today. Let's just get our hearts in unison with the Lord and what he's done for us. Father, would you help us be amazed today? Father, I'm 43 years old, so the best of my recollection, I've heard this story 43 times. And God, I confess that there have been moments that I've wandered in and out of church and heard the good news proclaimed and have even sung about it. And my heart hasn't been moved Because God, I confess it's easy to get familiar and comfortable and just say, yeah, I know that story. But God, tucked in this story that we call the Christmas story is the story of salvation. That God, you loved us in an unspeakable way and purchased our salvation through the life, death, and resurrection of your son. And Father, I thank you that you've given us something like the Lord's Supper that we can take and share. That's just a a reminder. But God, it speaks volumes of the fact that you don't ask us to come before you offering things for salvation. You ask us just to come because you provided it all. So Father, as we share in this as a family, as the body of Christ today, may our hearts be in unison with yours. And God, may there truly be a sense of awe of what you've done that sends us out of this place responding just like the shepherds, glorifying you, praising you, and telling everybody about the message that we've heard. Father, we love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.